Hey, how's it going? Hey, how you doing, TJ? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Good to see you, man. Good to see you. Good to see you. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Yeah, yeah I was thinking about that. It was. Uh, it's been like seven years since I've seen you. Yeah, something like that. Tell me, am I am I looking kind of? Um, um, I haven't got the lighting right. Hold on, let me yeah. Look. Oh, that's better. Yeah, there's something there. But now it's like a campfire stories. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh god hold on wait let me also let me take this out the sound now without the headphones yeah you sound fine sound, sounds all right yeah all right let me see when am i going to put this light to make it work give me give me a second, give me yeah, a no second. so we're recording already right we're recording yeah let, let me just get start from the start <laughs> let me just get prepped i'll just say i've got a prop one sec oh, yeah, one yeah. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I know, I just, it's, uh, uh, what is it? It's eight in the morning, so I just woke up at seven, so I got coffee in my cup. You got coffee? I got, I got my, that's it, yeah. Uh, normally, normally I have my whiskey ready for the podcast, but uh, not at seven in the morning. Speaking <laughs> well, of the red wine, right, interestingly enough, I've been looking into this whole kind of longevity game, right? And red wine's got all of these, you know, amazing properties and stuff in it. Uh, but the one thing about alcohol is people tend to drink alcohol quite late in the evening. Right. The body doesn't get to digest it properly. So your sleep gets disturbed or you don't sleep. You don't have quality sleep. So I'm campaigning for everybody to have alcohol in the morning instead of in the evening. There you go. There we go. You see? It's counter-cultural, counter but, uh, you know, if we get it to work... <clears throat> all, all the good things are. All of the good things are. If we make simple changes like that, that might be how we defeat COVID, I think. <laughs> 100%, man. 100%. <laughs> but we're thinking about it all wrong. We're thinking about it all wrong. That's right. You got to drown it in the alcohol, right? <laughs> <clears throat> hey, um, so this is everybody watching. This is my friend Ify Aussie. And uh, he is from London in the United Kingdom, if you couldn't tell by his accent. And I met Ify back in 2012. In 2011, I thought, uh, you know, in order to kind of make a go of it as a combatives instructor, uh, I wanted to kind of join that seminar circuit or that I, I be kind of an itinerant instructor traveling to different countries and stuff like some of my friends prior, Luke Holloway and, uh, and whatnot. Anyway, so I reached out to some people in the UK and uh, if he answered the call, uh, I met him on Facebook and uh, he said, yeah, man, come crash on, you know, on an air mattress on my living room floor. And so I did for the better part of a month, I want to say. And uh, anyways, it was great, uh, you know. Which is a crazy thing. I'm not sure that I would do that right now, you know. Yeah, yeah. well, you got family now, so I wouldn't invite strangers into my home either. But uh, I don't know, it was a really great experience. Like I came, it was, yes, it was like a work trip and I came away, <clears throat> I don't even think breaking even on either of the times that I came over, but uh, a great experience. And I remember meeting Ify, I was jet lagged, uh, you know, had my layovers, flew over into um, whatever airport I was, Gatwick, I think. And then I took the train from there to London Victoria Station, where I met you. And uh, from there, we just on foot. And then that was it. We didn't really stop until I left the country. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was full. It was full. Uh, yeah, it was all go. It was all systems go. I mean, did you, there's one thing I've been meaning to ask you, one thing you need to jog, jog my memory about. 
had you not drunk alcohol when you came to London or was it that you had had a long period of time off drinking alcohol? So I, <clears throat> I am not a drinker. Like now I'll sip whiskey and stuff, but at the time I barely ever touched it. I, it's not that I didn't drink alcohol, but when mm. I did drink alcohol, I'd have one or two beers. That's it. I might have like a martini or a glass of wine, like Christmas special occasions, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> our, 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 we, I went on a night out and uh, I drank a lot of beer. And then Niffy introduced me to this little thing called cognac. And yes, uh, yes, I had yes. a lot of that. And uh, I, I had more, I think I had more cognac and beer than blood in my system at that point. And that was probably the worst shape I've ever been. And it was, all, all the uh, all the years of being a, uh, working as a doorman in nightclub security, bar security, and dealing with drunk people and pukey people and people off their off their tree, that was uh, that was my experience on the other side of that. <laughs> of exactly. that uh, you, had, you had to experience it in order to be able to kind of implement, you know, your 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 door skills better. Yeah, you know, knowing, what, knowing <laughs> what drunk and, and people that puke in the street feel like. That's right. Um, now, yeah. the, one, the one thing I will say, like, it, it was very embarrassing to be in that situation. But when I look back, the the security of that club, they were they, at least in my recollection, they treated me so well. They were so professional. They were so kind. And then the next weekend when we went back there, they're like, you're the guy that was, and I'm like, yeah, that's me. Sorry. And they still, they still let us in. They're still fine. And there's yeah. just uh, props off to the people at uh, Madam, what was it? Madam Jojo's. Madam Jojo's. Yeah, exactly. Jojo's. So this, Madam Jojo's is in the heart of Soho. Soho is, you know, I guess Soho, like all Soho's around the world is where, you know, people, people party, um, people, you know, kind of get a bit crazy. Um, very liberal-minded people go out in, in Soho. Um, so, uh, yeah, when we went to Madame Jojo's, TJ got very, very drunk. Um, and basically, I had to carry him from Madame Jojo's all the way home. <laughs> yes. um, luckily, I was only... An, a normal pace, it would have been about 20 minutes, 30 minutes to walk from Madame Jojo's to my place. Um, but carrying TJ, like literally the guy could not walk. So we had to, have, we had to stop off and to empty his guts, all of that jazz. Um, and it took about a good, maybe hour, hour and a half. Um, but you know, in, in, in that whole time, you know, TJ was, was, was pleasant. Other than the puking, he was, you know, he was, he was, <laughs> it was almost like he was, um, uh, he was, what's the word? He enjoyed the experience, or he was uh, <laughs> grateful for the experience. That's it. Well, uh, I was grateful certainly for my company at the time. Uh, you know, uh, first first experience like that, first time in in your country, and uh, you know, I'm just some dude that you've known for a couple, maybe a week or two at that point, I guess. And uh, best way you know, to get to know people. I'll face, but yeah, great way to get to know someone. I remember, yeah, I remember all sorts of stuff. That same trip. I think it was that trip we uh, ran into a, we found a DJ at a club that we liked and we followed him around. And uh, <clears throat> remember we went out shopping. I had to get some nice pants cause I'm just a track pants and kind of guy. Yeah. So we went to get a pair of jeans at like a local gap and uh, those nice jeans wore out that night and they got covered in blood <laughs> because we went out to that club and there was this big fight that erupted and there's like Ify and I trying to like pull people apart. And oh, get people wow. Out. This is all coming back now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I thought that was you. I thought that was, I thought, yeah, like I was, I was panicking. 
then because I thought that blood was was yours. But, oh no, yeah, <laughs> totally not somebody else's. Yeah, <laughs> man, uh, some good times. Uh, one thing I will say, I learned my lesson. Uh, I will never again enter into a, a wager <laughs> of a, on a foot race between <laughs> between a uh, a lazy uh, combat booted jean wearing Canadian <laughs> and an athletic spry <laughs> running shoe wearing Nigerian <laughs> in a sprint race down the street. It's uh, you know. You got me into it, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you also destroyed me. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to prove to myself that I still had it, you know. <laughs> uh, older guy, younger man, you know, that kind of thing. There you go, there you go. How old are you now? <laughs> only, only a few years, I guess. Uh, I'm 41 now. Oh, okay. Yeah, how old are you? I'm 40, just turned. Oh, whoa, like yeah, a year. So we're, yeah, same, same demographic there. <laughs> we're, 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 going, we're going down the other side of the hill together, right? That's right, that's right. <laughs> Arms interlocked, skipping away merrily. Yeah, or falling away merrily. <laughs> so if you, um, when I first met you, you had a brand that you were building yourself called Physical. And yeah. I always thought it was pronounced Physical because of the way it's spelled, yeah. but Physical. Yeah. But yeah. F-I-Z-Z-Y-C-A-L and... Uh, maybe you could talk about that. When I met you, it was kind of a clothing and gear brand, as far as I understand. And then it's, it's yeah. made kind of a shift. It's it's a weird one because I've always been into fitness. I've always been into health, you know, despite the red wine that you see in my hand. But trust me, there are health properties. I don't know the full science, but, you know, we, we may dip into it. Um, I've always been into health, always been into fitness. Um, so kind of I, I was at a, a time in my life where I'd started up a business. It hadn't gone too well. Um, and, uh, like I was, I was training and people were wondering, like I'd, I'd run out of money, so I couldn't pay for gym membership. So I was doing lots of these body weight and calisthenic exercises. Um, and I started posting them on YouTube. And then from there, kind of built a following, built an interest. There was a community is back when YouTube was more, more, almost more of a social media site, you know, mm -hmm. where you kind of interact with like-minded people as opposed to, you know, you know, writing negative comments on people's videos. It was more of a kind of a, a chilled place to kind of meet people of, of, of the same interest, mm. um, interact with people with the same interest. So built up a community through that, um, or built up a, 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 a friendship network uh, through that. Um, and then the clothing thing just came because a friend said, you know, it's a pretty pretty cool name you know put you know put a, 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 the you know the, the logo on a t-shirt or hoodie and, and see what happens and for a while you know it was it was going good and people were people were buying stuff and everything but it kind of pulled me away from what I'm passionate about and it's that thing that you have to weigh up over the years it's been that thing mm. of weighing up uh, having a hobby mm. and having something that is business or commercial um, I'm still slogging away at physical, still kind of like thinking about it probably 60% of the time, 70% of the time. Um, and there's always that thing in your mind, oh, you wish you can kind of monetize it or, you know, make it some, you know, make it have some sort of commercial edge. Um, but right now I'm just enjoying kind of going back to basics with it in the sense of, you know, reading up about health, reading up about fitness, researching about stuff, 
having conversations like this about you know about fitness and health and longevity um right now i've just become obsessed with longevity um you know you know we're both we're both dads now we, we weren't when we first met but um for me it's like really important to um to preserve yourself for your you know for, for your for your kids um i think you know being um being well being healthy um looking after yourself is one of the best gifts that you can give to your your, your kids um it's you know for some people it may sound selfish but looking after yourself means you can spend more time with your children more quality time um you can you know even simple things like being able to lift your baby up you know you need your strength you need your agility you need you know you know being able to cope with with sleepless nights you need an, an element of, of of health and fitness uh behind you um so yeah physical is still there it's still in the background um before lockdown i was um exploring um documentary like the whole kind of focusing on the documentary making making these like mini documentaries um and i was uh, the series that i was doing was on athletes over the age of 60. so we had filmed about uh five um athletes um over the age of 60 from you know a, a bodybuilding salsa dancer um to um a powerlifting great grandmother um and the aim now is to kind of flip those episodes into podcasts mm, okay um so but they're kind of more more documentary kind of podcast more kind of radio drama podcast um with me as the narrator and That's talking right. about, i know, heard your podcasts. uh I heard your uh, your pilot episode. I heard your first episode of that podcast. Yeah, it, was, it sounded it was it was uh, polished, man. It was really good. Oh, thank you, thank you. The trailer that was back in I think May, and I so far like I haven't mm. put an episode yet. So <laughs> trailer just out there. That my family, my friends, every time I you know meet up with them or speak to them on the phone, they're like, "When's the next? When's the podcast?" Like, <laughs> yeah, and it's um, it's that thing of I'm, I'm not wanting to rush it because I'm wanting to create like a, a very sonic experience. So there's going to be lots of music involved. There's going to be lots of sound effects. Um, I'm terrible at, um, I'm, I'm not great. I'm not a great conversationalist. I'm not comfortable with kind of like, just kind of like talking like this. Hence, you know, hence, hence, hence a little bit of red wine <laughs> in, in the early part of the day. Um, but, um, I'm wanting to kind of edit it, wanting to write it really well. Um, and, you know, just to be almost like a gift to people that have supported physical and have, um, you know, have kind of followed it over the years. Um, so yeah, it's taken me a long while. It's taken me a long while. Hopefully in the next couple of months, um, we'll see that first episode come, come out. And then once I've done that, then I'll have like a, a formula for the next episodes and it won't be almost a year in between each episode. <laughs> I noticed that uh, with this podcast, actually, uh, not this particular episode, but I uh, COVID changed it for me because before when I started it, I bought a mic and I'm like, okay, I'm going to get, I'm going to travel around. I'm going to get local people and I'll take the setup I have here to them and we'll sit in whatever space they have and we'll mm -hmm. do an in-person interview and it'll be great. Mm -hmm. And, uh, COVID hit. <clears throat> and then I actually, I can't even blame COVID because I, I you know, you get your full-time job and 
I get a lot of other things I get excited about like photography or this or that or the other and I get passionate and then I deep dive and obsess and to the neglect of all the other things that I had. So I mean, I'm spinning like 12 plates, but there's this other exciting one over here. So I got to go do that. And then I leave these ones to fall off the, you know, so I, you know, come back and pick it up. So I noticed the podcast I did, I think six episodes in 2018, 2019. Okay. And then uh, basically there was a year lapse and then you're episode number 30. (laughs) So I went from episode seven and then once COVID hit, I realized I'm going to try this app people are talking about called Zoom. Yeah. Then I don't have to be in person. And sure. then when I realized I don't have to be in person, I can do it this way. Then I realized I can go reach out to anybody, like someone across the pond there. Uh, yeah. I don't have to travel, so I can produce them a lot faster. And then yeah. doing the podcast actually became sort of an exciting thing because um, high return on investment, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's true. Like the whole kind of podcast thing is it, it exploded and it's, you know, it's given an avenue to, to different, different kind of audio forms. So, you know, from the straight interview to, you know, radio journalism to documentary, it's, it's just, it's, you know, um, I'm, I'm kind of stepping away from social media. Um, so for me, listening to podcasts is like, particularly when, you know, I'm working or I'm kind of, um, you know, the little ones asleep, I, I've got time to kind of, you know, put the, put the earbuds in and, and get educated, you know? So um, I kind of value that now 100% over social media, which, which is something that uh, I feel is, you know, it kind of, kind of brings, doesn't bring out the, the, the good in me, you know, other yeah. people, you know, so social media may kind of like elevate, but for me, it's, um, you know, I can have a day where I'm, I'm kind of buzzing along happily and then I flick on social media and then I'm depressed for the rest of the day. Uh, so yeah, particularly in these times, you know, you've got to be very careful of, of your mental health and, and staying, uh, staying well, staying positive. Um, yeah. Cause life's got some, some stuff that it throws at you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I found that that's why I had, uh, I, I still, I'm still pretty active on Instagram, but, um, um facebook i had to cut myself off of a long time ago yeah. and then I, i'm on twitter and if i go and i just search my twitter feed you know within about five minutes i'm already angry at something so i'm like i gotta get off of here <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh it's wild man it's it's yeah we're just we are um exposed to so much information um and it's it's overwhelming it's overwhelming um you know, the negatives are amplified more so than the positives are, but, you know, you know. But yeah, talking of positives, yeah. Um, fatherhood. That's one thing I wanted to talk to you about, because I, I remember when we first met, um, TJ was very much, yeah. um, <laughs> Ted, never going to have kids. It's not going to happen. I'm not, you know, I, I don't want to have children. And then all of a sudden, yeah. TJ, how, how many kids? Go on, tell me. Got uh, three right now. <clears throat> Got three right now. I'll tell you, I was talking about this with my wife yesterday uh, and with my friend Brian I was hanging out with that, uh, yeah, to go to make that jump. Because at first, you know, uh, I got together with my current wife, who at the time was a single mom. Mm-hmm. And um, father is in his life. So I'm like, okay, no big deal. Uh, but then... 
you know, you know, without going into detail, some things happened and we, uh, brought, we brought Canaan uh, in to live with us. <clears throat> and, uh, at that point I'm like, okay, we're bringing the boy in now. And at the time he was, uh, four years old. So I'm like, we're bringing a four year old into the house. <clears throat> yeah. I have to make a choice now. Like I either commit to trying to step in the shoes because of the situation of now trying to be the positive father figure, that role model <clears throat> and, uh, be there for her and him. Or I bail on them now because I, what's unfair is to like half, half asset, get in a year and then, you know, I can't do that. So either yeah. I have to tear the bandaid off now or I have to commit something here for everybody's sake. So I made that choice. And then as we got further in, making that decision to, to get married. And then at that point, I'm like, <clears throat> we Kat and I talked about having kids and stuff. And I thought to myself, I'm like, you know what? If I'm already making the commitment and putting the effort to raise a child i'm like i might as well also you know have some of my own and uh i at least well at least at the time it was one of my own <laughs> yeah, and, then, yeah. uh, and then another down the road so but i, I have to applaud cat i have to applaud cat well done cat oh yeah if, if i hadn't married cat <clears throat> if i hadn't brought Kane, we haven't brought Kane at home if i hadn't taken that step i wouldn't yeah. have made the decision then to have my own and yeah. i wouldn't able to experience what this whole wonderful thing is you know yeah because at the time you were talking if, if i got this correct you were talking about having the snip yeah actually yeah so i went oh, i had my appointment in <clears throat> i want to say 2011 2012 was it it was yeah. it was before i met you actually uh, i was i had an appointment to go get it done and the day before my uh or so i was supposed to go in for a consultation and the day before i was supposed to go in for the consultation the head gasket on my car went um, and so my car broke down just off the highway and I'm like, had to deal with that the next day. So I didn't go for the consultation and I couldn't get a hold of them on the phone. And then I just let it go. And that was like a decade ago. So now, <clears throat> now that we have three, um, in December, I have my appointment with that same clinic to go get my SNP. <laughs> okay. Okay. Mm. Interesting. All right. I mean, for me, it was, for me, it was a wild thought that at such we were still we were still relatively young, like yeah. to make that decision like ahead of time, not having I don't know, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I wouldn't say you were inexperienced, but I, I, like it, it just felt just felt kind of for kind of one of a better word that's slightly related, it's, it felt premature, you know? Right. Um, <clears throat> kind of doing it yeah, at that age. Um but yeah, I'm I'm you know yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a good thing that your car broke down. <laughs> it was a countryman of yours, actually, that, uh, that changed my mind on it. Um, okay. I don't, know, I don't know if you ever met Darren Davies, but it was one of the nights, one of the seminars was canceled, I remember, because there's things that went on with one of the other guys I was supposed to join with. Anyway, so <clears throat> word got out to Darren, who runs his own uh, club, and I can't, remember, I can't remember where it was. It was in London, but it was a bit of a, bit of a trip to get there, actually. Yeah, and um, went to his club, and it was a great time. And he was driving me back to the train station, I believe, or was he driving me back to where I was staying? He's driving me right back. I was staying at uh, Dave Eaton's at this time, and uh, we're on the way back, and we were talking about kids and this and that, and we bonded over jazz music and martial arts and, and the whole kit and caboodle. <clears throat> and uh, again, like I was pretty passionate and outspoken about not wanting kids, and so somehow that came up in conversation, and uh, he said, you know. 
he asked me how old I was. I was, uh, I think I was 32 at the time. And he, uh, he said, well, look, you know, do what you want, but <laughs> for what it's worth. And he said that he was the same. He goes, he didn't want kids and want to get married. And, and we've already bonded over so many other things that were similar. Right. So I've listened to this guy. I'm like, he's kind of like me. And he said, no, <clears throat> just think about it. You know, do what you got to do, but just think about it. You know, you could be 50 and still have kids. But that's a long way away. You could change your mind. And I thought, you know what? That's like 20 years away pretty much. And yeah, I could be a whole different person in 20 years. So maybe I will hold off on it. And uh, so it was that little conversation on the way back that uh, really got me thinking because I couldn't, I couldn't argue with the logic. As much as I didn't want kids, I didn't want to rob the future me that could be different that would want kids. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Immature decision. Yeah. yeah. So... Personal question: Why? Why are you considering it now? Why? Why don't you just, you know, don't eat any more? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm no, happy with the ones I have. I don't want any more. Yeah, <laughs> but there's other ways you could, you know, not have any more. There are, but uh, that takes all the fun out of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. I get you. I get you. All right. Oh man. So how how are the kids now? I have Kanan, he's nine. <clears throat> Era yeah. is two. And Ellington was born in May, so May, June, July, August, September, October. He's five months. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah. wow, man. Wow, that is awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. The, uh, um, how old is your, your little one? She's 17 months now. Um, yeah, we had a, very, had a very difficult night last night, actually. I think she's going through some sort of sleep regression because, you know, for, for a few weeks perfect perfect night's sleeps and then the last last few days um she's been waking up several times at night so um yeah so i, I very i very well may pass out <laughs> uh, no i i understand that entirely because we have the two we have the baby that's in our room uh, yeah. Kim is downstairs but the baby in our room and, and right beside us is era's room and yeah. so he's up he's teething right now or he'll get gassy or whatever it is that wakes him up and he squawks and then if it's long enough, if he's doing that long enough or loud enough that you don't sort it out, then mm. she'll wake up. And then mm. you've got both of them to contend with. And wow. it's, it's, you know, when you're waking up, like you said, several times in a night, it's a bit much. Uh, but at least there's nights where there's Kat and I that are both home. But mm. there's sometimes when I work nights, so mm. I'll, I'll be here. And then Kat's got to deal with both of them by herself. So yeah. she's, uh, they're, they're like, they're, my mothers are really the unsung heroes, I think. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 100%. 100%. And work-wise, what, what's, what's work looking like nowadays? Uh, yeah, so I wear a few different hats. Um, yeah. But my main, my main income is uh, doing uh, executive security. So okay. executive to detail. And okay. uh, so that's good. That gives us a salary, gives us benefits, and takes care of the family. And really thankful to have that. And I'm thankful that I still have been able to maintain that despite COVID, despite our like countries and provinces, like lockdowns. And my job has, I can't say it's been unaffected, but my income has been unaffected. So that is, uh, that's really, really nice. Um, on the side, uh, I have the training business, uh, like with the podcast, YouTube, and uh, you know, the live training, I've kind of taken more of a shift from the regular stuff to uh, maybe if some key events in a year. So we have like a security conference we do called Gray Man. That COVID had that bump, so we're planning that for April. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, that really um, 
So yeah, so that's the thing I got going on the side. Photography, I'm still doing, still doing portraiture shoots. I shot a couple of weddings, so that's just a fun thing to do, and uh, it gets a lot busier in the nicer weather, of course. But and then uh, another thing, uh, which is relevant for you as well, is uh, work as stunt coordinator, doing some films. And we had a film that just came out in uh, when it premiere. I want to say it premiered September second mm. um, in at a festival here in Canada called Fantasia Film Festival. It's mm -hmm. now going to Hardline Film Festival in Germany, um, uh, Trieste Film Festival in Italy. It's going to uh, London Fright Fest. This is why it's relevant for you because okay. uh, London Fright Fest was supposed to happen in Leicester Square. There's a Cineworld or something. It's like a nine cinema. Yeah. But yeah. with your lockdowns and stuff now, all the other festivals, except for Germany, yeah. I think, was the one that was actually in front of a live audience. Yeah. Uh, but they've gone digital. So you basically it would be geolocked. So... What has happened here at Fantasia is geolocked to Canada, so you have to be Canadian to access it, but you go to the website, you order it, and then you stream it, and you watch it on your device, right? Mm -hmm. So I thought London was meant to be live, but it might actually also be digital. And if it is digital, then you may have, if you had the time, then on the day that it premieres, you can buy your ticket, and then you can actually watch it as it streams at, you know, whatever time it streams at. So uh, I'm not sure if you've heard about the news about Cineworld. Like it's, I, I think they've got like 150, 160 yeah. cinemas throughout the UK and Ireland. Um, but apparently they're, clo they're, they're, I think on the brink of closing yeah. cinema because of, you know, um, delays in uh, lots of film releases. So yeah. I'm not sure how that's going to impact impact the, the premiere here, but it would be awesome if we can get it on, on digital. Yeah. If it's um, digital, then it would be put on by Fright Fest and it wouldn't be Cinema oh, then, right? So then yeah. you just go online and whatever whatever uh, server they have it on. So what was your what was your role in the, the film? I guess guess you, you handled stunts and stuff like that. Yeah. But was yeah. any, so I was a stunt coordinator and then stunt performer. So uh, we had a team of... Uh, five guys doing stunts uh, and we all play multiple characters because all the characters are masked or they have most like a helmet on or whatever so yeah. we can jump in for each other on the specific days right but there's five of us there and um yeah so i hired the stunt team to come in did all the fights choreography all the violence uh, anytime you see someone smashed into a wall or thrown over a table or punched in the face or like all that and yeah. uh, and then as well as being uh some of the characters that you know get their asses handed to them sort of thing and it's a it's a home invasion kind of action thriller okay uh, the directors didn't really pull any punches when it came to uh, the violence and the gore and the blood and all that so that was a lot of fun and what i loved about these guys is they give you just total creative control like they say right now there's a it, I, I can talk about this because it's out there right now and there's no secret but there's a scene where my character one of the attack one of the uh, intruders gets like a hammer right in his eye, right? And there's blood everywhere and screaming. And yeah. right? so they have certain things like that. They're like, you know, we need to get you to this point where you get a hammer in your eye. And, but that's it. That's the only criteria I have. Everything else, I get to do whatever the hell I want. So it's just, you get okay. to create something totally. Okay, and right. will do it. And then you watch it and you're like, holy shit, awesome. Something you created out of nothing that's now immortalized on film. Super, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a drug. To be on set and have that happen is a drug. And I can't wait for the next <laughs> can imagine so how, how long was the how long was the preparation how long was the from kind of you know the start of your involvement to the end like how how, how long was that 
a few months out, they message, they say, we have something coming up. Do you want to do it? And then, you know, I'm like, of course I want to do it. <laughs> and yeah. I worked with some of these directors before. And then from that time on, it's only, you get, uh, you'll get a script and uh, you, you read over the script and then you go, it's a discussion back and forth, usually over the phone or through text or whatever with the directors about, you know, ideas you have or questions about certain scenes. And then there's like script revisions that come. So like scenes change or they cut things out. Right. So you get closer to the day and um, maybe I want to say anywhere from three to four weeks out, uh, I have uh, my other, my assistant sub coordinator uh, come out to work with me and I've already choreographed. I've you know, thought about the scenes choreographed and we kind of work it out together, how it'll look. And, uh, and then we have kind of a structure on paper, a skeleton on paper and uh, we film it and we study it. And then, you get, uh, and th this is an independent film and it was shot in 15 days. There wasn't a super huge budget for it. Yeah. So it's not like John Wick where he goes for a range and changes, trains for like three months on how to shoot and do jujitsu. And like, it's not like that. Yeah. You get what you get with uh, your, your, the, uh, the actors, right? And they have their experience and their background and that's what you have to work with. And uh, these guys, I've uh, worked with two of them before, the actress who did all their own stunts for this movie. And so you, you just, you have your idea of what the, what the set pieces are going to be, what the stunts are going to be, what it's going to look like. And then you get on set and you have the, the set that you have. So we we're in a little house that was going to be torn down. So we got to destroy the whole thing, mm. but uh, we're in this little house. You're like, okay, I envisioned it this way, but that's not the actual geography of the room here. You know, like the cupboards are here and there's a fridge here and there's not the space that I thought was here. So you have to change it for your uh, immediate environment. And then you're rehearsing it in that environment. Uh, with those changes with like whoever's in the scene and while yeah. they're setting up lights or while they're you know applying makeup for a special effect or whatever the case is and then you show the directors that on set and then they figure out how they're going to shoot it and then away you go you spend you know you you get like a you get like a three minute fight scene it's going to be a 14 hour shoot you know yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. that's that's the whole thing with with film and any kind of creative endeavor it's like you know, those split seconds or those, those minutes, you know, take a hell of a lot of planning, um, you know, and it's, it's for those people that appreciate it, like it's like, they can see the wonder. They can see the wonder in those three minutes. Um, and uh, yeah, no hats off, hats off to people in the film industry, especially like, like people like yourself, like stunt, stunt coordinators that have to go from having something on a piece of paper, to actually delivering it on on film, hats off, man. Thank you. the uh, the most The best compliment on this film I got, and, and I'm I'm actually for Canadian independent horror film. I'm surprised to say I'm actually really proud of this. <laughs> but, uh, a lot of the reviews, if you go on the IMDb, uh, a lot of the reviews talk about the choreography, it looking unchoreographed and unstaged and just kind of improvised. And but everything was meticulously planned. But it's, it's, uh, I don't know, it feels like a backhanded compliment maybe, but it's a great compliment to be like, they, you know, they didn't even notice you were there, you know? Yeah. You blend in yeah. so well, you're just a part of the story. You don't stand out in that mm -hmm. it's clearly choreographed or, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's seamless and mm. it, looks, it looks believable and they, they buy into it, right? And that's a, it's a great compliment to be like, oh, look at this improvised, unchoreographed stuff. And you're like, perfect. That's, that, was the, that was the plan the whole, the whole time. Yeah. So what's the, like, what's the, I know it's, it's difficult to kind of look into the future, particularly in the times that we're, we're in, but yeah, no doubt. In, t in terms of the stunt coordination and, and stuff, like what are your, 
what's your focus or what was your focus before, um, you know, before, before lockdown and all of that? It's still the same. Um, right now, the, the, now, the movie industry isn't going anywhere. Movie theaters may be a different story. Yeah. Over here, there starts to be a resurgence of drive-ins, so that's another option. Like, you could have live yeah. theaters, but yeah. it'd, be, yeah, it'd be like a drive-ins. Uh, yeah. Digital streaming platforms are obviously not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So the, the film industry is, you know, they're figuring it out. Right now, you have to, if you go on set, you, know, you, get your, you get your friggin' temperature yeah. checked, and you get your, the Q-tip up your nose, and like all this yeah. stuff, right? <laughs> and uh, they, take their, they take their precautions, but project, productions are picking back up. Back then, uh, you know, before COVID hit, I was really looking, we were looking for the premiere and, and going from there. So like all, all focus has really just been on this project and on, and on its reception, how, how, it, how it gets received. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, it's been a positive reception. So the focus now is the next project, um, yeah. the same crew. Like I've worked with, the, there's two directors on this film and they each did another film that I worked with them on. One in the capacity of stunt coordinator, one is uh, I did a day as uh, stunt performer. Yeah. And, um, and uh, then this third film. So I've worked with them a couple of times now. They're happy with the work I've done. And I like, I love working for them. And yeah. uh, so it's a really good relationship we have. So moving forward. So this positive review for this film, producers give you more money to make a larger budget feature. And mm-hmm. the directors that get that uh, budget then hire the people that they like to work with, such as myself. And yeah. then, we make that film and then you slowly build that way. You know, they say it takes 20 years to become an overnight success. Absolutely true. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So well, where, where in those 20 years, what, what, what stage are you at in those 20 years? Um, I'm, I'm still pretty much at the beginning. I've been doing it yeah. since 2013, right? 2013 is when I started. And, and that's the thing too. There's in the, the independent circuit here, like you can kind of be big fish, small pond. You can, you can build a name and a reputation for yourself and, and get a lot of work in the independent circuit. Um, but if you were to go to union into like the big films, like jump into a star Wars thing or James Bond kind of do stunts on that, you become union and now you're a small fish in a big ocean, you know, and you have to start to build your way up again. Um, but the money's there. Like I'll probably get the same amount of money on two days of just being doing, you know, just taking a couple of falls and punches versus stunt coordinating an entire feature in the independent circuit. But the yeah. trade-off is you just, you're, you're taking a punch, you're, you're taking a dive, this is what you're doing, versus I get to create everything and then watch your creation you know, yeah. Be, yeah. Uh, be created on film. And that's, that's the addictive part, is being to have that creativity. So yeah. it, uh, it's a, it's, it's a, it's you have a, to wait up. You have to wait up. Yeah, I mean, so a lot of people, you know, you hear of a lot of people doing things that, a lucrative but they have no autonomy they have no um way of creating anything that it's almost like they're they're, t- they're painting by numbers as opposed to you know creating a you know like a a painting as it were yeah. um and yeah like it's i can imagine that being a lot more fulfilling um yeah and if there's demand in the independent industry and i think i i as a guess you know, with everything that's going on, the independent film industry is just going to explode. Um, yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, yeah, and it should just kind of give you more scope to to do more, build more kind of relationships in the industry, and yeah, kind of leave a leave a name. Yeah, it's it's so much fun, and that's why I love doing it because you just feel like a kid. You get to go play on set every day. Yeah. And, uh, ideally, I'd like to. I would love to be able to get to the point where I'm doing three, four movies a year, or however you know. 
assuming it, it took us two weeks to shoot this one, but let's pretend it takes a month to shoot. You know, if that could be a full-time thing, that'd be just super exciting. <laughs> yeah, sure. Full-time as in a few projects a year. Yeah, definitely. Oh man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Man, how's, so, your, how's no, your training? How's your, like, what's your training looking like? So know. I've been a, yeah, I've been a lazy bastard as of late. Um, okay, okay. I, w- I won't blame external ex- circumstances, but there's been uh, there's been a, there's been a slug in life, <laughs> you know, getting through yeah. stuff. But um, I made a I made a statement for myself and a goal for myself, and that was to uh, fight to have a fight in my fortieth year. Okay, and, uh, like I have the, a lot of rust, right? And yeah. shit, so. Uh, I started to reach out to to decide what kind of fighting do I want, mm. and I decided on bare knuckle boxing. Uh, okay, because, because you uh, first of all, I noticed a lot of guys in their forties that are doing it and doing it well. Mm-hmm. Um, two minute rounds as opposed to like five minute rounds with some gorilla on top of you gassing you out. So, okay. uh, I think less conditioning is required than for like MMA or Muay Thai or whatever, for example. Yeah. And also, because you don't have the big mitts on your hands, people aren't hitting you as hard, and you don't have that concussive head trauma. Now, it looks messy because you cut, you split open, you blood. Knockouts are possible, but uh, you're not getting hit as hard, and you're not getting that concussive trauma. So it's, it's uglier for my face, but safer for my brain. So that's, I'm like, that's this. So I think it's the safest, smartest choice. All right. So I reached out to a couple of coaches. Um, I start October 30th. I actually have my first session with my boxing coach. And uh, my goal is to get into fighting shape to have a fight. And uh, so that's what my training looks like. I've gone from nothing, but when I, I, I attach it to a goal. And uh, yeah, it gives me some of the best way of doing stuff. And then following, the that, following that will be, I think, switching over to grappling sports. So for like you're okay. longevity, right? Because you can't get punched in the face forever. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> jiu-jitsu will be the mainstay after that. But I'm going to focus entirely just on uh, on striking and movement for the time being until so, uh, so the, I have that. The bare knuckle, the, the bare knuckle fight that you're going to have it is essentially it's essentially boxing. There's no grappling involved. There's boxing. There's clinching allowed, but you have okay. to stay active in the clinch. And that's and you can do dirty boxing. So I basically, can I? Can, I don't think I can grab on you with both hands, but I can hook one hand or wrap up an arm, but I have yeah. to be, I have to be active in that clinch okay. and actually striking. I can't just tie you up, you know, and hold you there. So uh, you can clinch, but it's got to be an active clinch. Interesting. Okay. And you say two minute rounds, two, two minute, uh, two minute, how many two minute rounds? Five minute, five, two minute rounds with a minute rest in between championship fights or seven or 10, two minute rounds. Okay. Uh, I, when I fought in Muay Thai, my fights were two minute rounds with one minute rest. There are only three rounds at the time. Yeah. But, um, when the adrenaline is going, like a two-minute round is enough. Trust me. Like those MMA yeah. athletes, five-minute rounds, like those guys yeah. are, are other. They're not even human. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're, they're, they're dealing well with that adrenaline, right? Yeah. Um, so I like I had I had had thoughts about doing you know the the the, the white collar boxing because mm. um, I'd seen a couple of matches. Some friends had done some. And like it, it's like it's always kind of been in the back of my mind to you know to give it a go, um, but yeah, you know, kind of things things get in the way. Um, Do it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, like we'll, we'll see how we'll see how the rest of the year pans out. But yeah, that's something that I'd love to love to experience. I, I'm I'm not so not so keen on the 
the MMA and the grappling. I'd probably like to do it more in a kind of a training, like in a training sense rather than a... Yeah, you know, like actually, a life Because um, I, I used to do some judo when I was younger. I used to play rugby, which is kind of all <laughs> like, you know, some form of grappling. Um, but yeah, I've always been interested in boxing. And, you know, I think, I think I've got hands, but, you know, how many guys say that? <laughs> they get punched in the face and they're like okay yeah no, this is <laughs> oh i have a head too <laughs> they good you said i think i have hands and you get hit in the face yeah yeah i can't i can't can't move out of the way quicker yeah um but yeah like you know and and part and parcel of the the kind of the physical training that i'm doing like i'm very much into the gaining strength without losing agility or losing flexibility um you know before when i was younger it was all about kind of lifting weights get as big and you know get as big as possible um it was never about being able to to move um fluidly um so now it's it's just so important to me to be more fluid than you know to be kind of muscular yeah um, i will be strong but yeah i like kind of like fluidity, agility, flexibility is like, um, is number one now. So I'm spending a lot of time focusing on mobility training, mm-hmm. um, trigger point therapy. I don't know if that's something that, that, you, that you I'm do. loosely, loosely familiar with that. Yeah. No, I highly, highly recommend it. it. For me, it feels like, it feels like resetting years of, um, kind of maybe sitting at a desk or, you know, just, you know, poor poor mechanics you know using your body in 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 like like in the in the kind of conventional lifestyles that we have like using your body in the wrong way creates all of these knots and you're not able to kind of move and and um even the simplest thing just zaps you of energy so you know i'm hoping that if i do do the white collar boxing then you know at least i've kind of got some some uh you know, I won't have to work too much on the the agility and flexibility point of view, and it's just a kind of a technique thing and a and a cardio thing that I need to mm-hmm. kind of deal with, which is actually quite a big part of boxing. So yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm over overplaying the agility and flexibility in boxing, but there's yeah. two jokes about. Uh, conditioning and cardio that uh, are just are absolutely true and one's vince lombardi he said fatigue makes cowards of us all and yeah. then uh, pertaining to more like in when you when you, you're prepping for a fight fight like rather than just on the street there's the fear element but when you get into a boxing ring or more tiring or whatever there's, there's no fear element uh, there's a risk element for sure yeah. but, uh, frank shamrock he says uh conditioning is your best submission and that's true man if you can outgas the other guy that's your that's your I mean, yes, you can't, you have to have great technique and everything, movement and everything, but yeah. if you can outgas the other guy, man, it, you can just dominate them. And sure, sure. coming from somebody that's been gassed in the ring before. <laughs> yeah. He's like, talk, talking of that, like I, I remember a few years back, uh, there was a, there's a running crew here in London called Rundem, um, led by this guy called Charlie Duck. And um, they... They, they've got an amazing, amazing beginning, amazing story. Charlie's an inspirational guy. You should, you should check him out. Um, but I did the stupid thing of um, meeting up with them one time and going on a run. But luckily for me, I've been doing lots of trigger pointing on my legs beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt 
like not having run for you know many years before this I felt that I kind of I, I did all right you know I, I you know I, I kind of you know kept up with the with the fast crew up until a point but that was without having had done lots of you know me not having done loads of running before I felt that kind of having reset my legs through the trigger point had made you know my body more efficient particularly with getting you know the oxygen to the legs and all of that so yeah I, I yeah maybe yeah maybe the whole kind of trigger pointing and and, and all of that is, is is you know can be a uh, can be a key when it comes to mm. you know the whole kind of conditioning thing with with other sports and other other cardio heavy heavy uh, heavy things heavy activities can you explain I, I in my head i think i know what you mean when you say trigger point therapy but can you explain it since you know what it actually is so it's like so i've got a lacrosse ball which i carry around with me um almost everywhere and i also got oh this is it's almost like it was it was here um <laughs> i set this up this thing called a theracane okay yeah so it looks like a to those listening to the audio it looks like a kind of like a a fairy tale uh, walking stick with some novels on the end of it. Um, but the aim of that is you kind of use it almost like a wrench to like wrench out the knots um, and you build up knots from, you know, physical trauma, you know, if you've had an accident, if you've had a fall, um, you know, your body kind of um, protects itself. And sometimes in protecting itself, um, you know, you can develop these knots um, you know, you can have, which you could have a knot in your calf that causes you to have headaches or causes you to have a bad back. And they call that referred pain, um, where, you know, something where you're having the pain isn't where you need to be addressing. It's somewhere lower down the chain. Mm. Um, and also these trigger points, because they kind of tense up, they mean that you're not getting enough oxygen to the muscles and some of the muscles switch off um, so there's something that is is called lazy glutes and lazy glutes mean that you know when you kind of you're getting up and and um, going getting down from like a seated position you're not, you're not actually using your bum but you're using other muscles to kind of hoist you up and with trigger point it's it's that thing of you're not using the muscles efficiently you're using you're overusing some muscles and other muscles are getting neglected because they've technically they've switched off right. um so that's that's kind of how i understand trigger pointing i may not i may i may you know there may be scientists out there that, that will describe it in a completely different way but that's how i understand it um and for me it's more important to trigger point than it is to to do any form of uh strength training because if your body if your body's not moving efficiently then you lifting weights is is just a recipe for 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 an injury if if your if your body's not moving efficiently if your body's moving efficiently then you know all the right muscles are firing to lift that weight if if only a few muscles are firing to lift that weight then you know in my mind that can create um imbalances and potential for injuries that um, makes a lot of sense when i think about boxing or just throwing a punch like even without lifting any weight, increasing your strength at all, you improve your balance, you will hit harder because your brain won't allow you to throw yourself out of equilibrium. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. So it's like, look, you can only do this much force before you start to screw yourself over. So I'm going to, it's like a, your body puts a governor on your system. Your yeah. brain puts a governor on your system. So 
yeah, you do that trigger point, and what you're doing is you're taking that governor off, right? Because you're improving your 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 balance, you're improving your, your balance, you're improving. I guess the other thing. I guess the other thing with punching is, you know, sometimes you hear of people throwing the shoulder out, or and it's. I may be wrong, but you know, in in the idea for me with trigger pointing with that would be, in throwing your shoulder out, you're using too much of one muscle you're not using the entire chain of your body to to throw that punch i know like i'm kind of exaggerating the punch and and, and kind of like telegraphing it but there's you're great you know, on stunts you what you're great doing stunts you got to sell everything for, yeah here but, but for a film you got to be that big wide hook yeah. but i mean even even when you're not telegraphing the punch the whole the whole physical chain is is moving to apply yeah. that force you know um so i think when that whole physical chain is kind of moving efficiently and that's one thing that trigger point can do um it can kind of it kind of get all the kinks out of uh, out of the chain then um it means that you know you 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 should be able to kind of um be able to throw a punch better or mm. throw a kick better um, in terms of kicks, like I like I'm what well, that's one thing that I want to improve just just because um, I'm not I'm not a, a combat person. I'm, I'm rarely in kind of tactical situations, but I want to be able to be in a situation where I can throw a kick properly and doing all the trigger point has just loosened up my hips. Um, and oh, yeah, I can kick and not feel uncomfortable or not feel like I've pulled something or, you know, so that's, you know, that's, that's hip mobility is, is, uh, yeah. Hip mobility is huge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Big time, big time. And the hips, uh, you know, it's, it, they, they are neglected in kind of con conventional fitness. You know, I'm not sure, you know, you, you'd be better at speaking on it with regard to martial arts and, and, and self-defense. Um, but with kind of conventional fitness, the hips, you know, that people don't really consider their importance, but it's, it's literally your center. You know, you, you improve that everything is, you know, everything kind of improves, um, in my mind anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Jiu-jitsu, like everything is about the hips, hip movement. Hip movement is, is, uh, it's like, it's the, found, it's like the foundation for everything. Yeah. And then even in striking, right? Those hips, like you, it starts on the ground with the ball of your foot, but those hips uh, twisting, that's yeah. the, that's how you get that whip like that whip like energy and that you know that yeah. whip motion or whatever that actually makes the fucking punch effective. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah hip, everything, everything passes through the hips. The hips are everything in martial arts. Just, just yeah. they're pretty much everything across the board. Yeah, if if you can find some time, man, try try some trigger pointing and and like you know let me know how it kind of how it makes it feel with regard to throwing a punch for you, oh, yeah. you know? Um, Cause for me, it just feels like it just frees me up, um, but don't overdo it because I, 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 I overdid it once and I bruised um, <laughs> and it took me a while to recover. Cause it's, it's uh, it's one of these, sometimes it can be really painful, but sometimes it can be like a sweet pain. Like it's that kind of pain where you're like, Ooh, know the yeah. feeling. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you keep going at it, but you've got to, yeah, you've got to, to learn to just, kind of cut it off and, 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 and not do, not, not go too long. Otherwise you'll cause more, more damage, you know? It's like a, a nice hot bowl of like Vietnamese pho or curry or whatever it is. You're like, oh man, this hurts, but I'm not stopping. This is like crack, but it's killing me at the same time. <laughs> oh no. When you, when you find a good trigger point, it can be exactly like crack. It's, yeah. uh, 
it's a uh, it's an awesome pain. <laughs> <laughs> do you do uh, do you do any other sorts of therapy to combine with that, like anything from massage therapy to acupuncture to chiropractic or any of that stuff, osteo? Or anything? So, um, so of recent, I've I've had so last month I had a massage, and I am thinking that I'll try and have massages like once a month or once every two months. Um, the good thing with the trigger pointing is it kind of it kind of replaces the need to have those regular massages. Mm. Um, and the the thing is, it, it, once you get used to it, once you understand it, once you, you you do it quite often, you know the exact points and the exact pressure to get rid of those knots. You know, you know, masseurs. There, there are some amazing masseurs, but sometimes, you know, they can't read your mind. Yeah, you know, you're you're in a better position to know, um, kind of where the knot is, or even even it could even be a case of you know that you may not be able to get to a masseur in time. So, you know, kind of handle it yourself. But um, yeah, I'm kind of aiming to commit to you know going to to a masseur like once a month or once every two months um just to kind of just for a fine tuning you know exactly how you do with a car you know you fine tune a car you know do, do the same thing for your body you know i had this guy um i haven't had a massage in a long time but i was going regularly back in like i want to see 2005 2006 to a good life fitness locally and they had a, an art therapist there who was massaged active release technique so he deals with like, the fascia and massage therapy and i went to go see him and he had become this like amazing massage therapist but before that he was a steel worker and he would like hulk hands and yeah. he would just like like it was it was a painful experience but afterwards you walked out feeling like you're on like on clouds 100 percent, 100 percent. like um so the person the masseur that i've seen recently is a is a um young lady by the name of justina she's amazing um she's kind of you know to look at her you know you, you wouldn't think kind of that she's got the strength but my god when she finds a knot you know close to tears close to tears <laughs> you feel you feel light you feel good afterwards i uh the old uh, bar i used to work at the um the owner's uh, younger sister is now a chiropr uh, chiropractor and i i felt i don't know i felt about chiropractic right versus you know because it's like it deals with one system within the whole body you know just like the skeletal structure yeah. but i thought you know you have this holistic body has everything so you need to take into consideration everything not just the yeah. but I, I i uh she was at the at the bar one time when i was working and uh she had kind of i had her kind of have a look over me and my injuries and my this and my that and she was like the skeleton whisperer because <laughs> Uh, without telling her, like, I have an injury here or I've done this. She's just trying to do adjustment. She's feeling out. And then she told me everything that I did to my body and yeah. the things that I already know that I did to myself. And she's just doing yeah. that by hearing, like, the cracks and feeling the tension. And I'm like, there's something to this, <laughs> for sure. 100%. It's one of, like, when you, when you get into it, when you read about it, there's a lot of, um, I wouldn't necessarily call it negative, but there's a lot of things within stuff like Trigger Point, massage chiropractic which they're difficult to test scientifically mm. so so they occasionally get dismissed because they're not because they're they're difficult to test scientifically it, it's it's you know where something like a pill you know you can test the pill it's it's right. easier 
Um, but there are so many things that I've found when it comes to, you know, these things like massage, trigger point, chiropractic, which can solve so many issues. Um, I was listening to this podcast the other day and this woman was talking about how she was getting these reoccurring headaches and these flashes in her eye and she was going back and forth to the doctor. They couldn't figure it out. She had MRI scans, she had all of this. Um, and then she went onto this website and I forget the name of it, but it's where you put the details of, you know, what's, you know, what your issue is. Um, and somebody responded, well, actually no, a few people responded saying, you know, it sounds like you have, she was, she was a photographer. That was another thing. She was a wedding photographer and she carried her uh, photography on one, one side. Yeah. So she'd given all these details on this website and the people responding were saying, we think it's an issue with, I can't remember the name of the, the part of the body they, they, they said, but we think it's an issue with this thing, which is linked to something in your neck, which is, you know, potentially creating bad flow to your brain. And this is causing all these flashes. So then she went to see a chiropractor and she was like, after the first session, she wasn't having these headaches. She could like, she wasn't having the flashes as frequently. Um, something had changed. Um, and she was like, this is crazy because I've been going to the doctor back and forth and nothing has relieved it as much as it had. Um, it did take her a number of courses before she finally got rid of it. But it, it just goes to show that there are, there are things that um, are not conventional medicine, not conventional yeah. science that, that can help. Um, and it's easy to dismiss because they cannot be tested as scientifically as a pill, or as an injection or as a vaccine. But these things have importance, you know? Um, so I think, you know, people should be uh, open-minded when it comes to, um, when it comes to kind of, you know, therapeutic stuff. And if it's stuff that they can do themselves, that's perfect. That, that story reminded me, uh, when I was getting ready for my first Muay Thai fight, which was in 2007. So uh, two years prior, no, three years, three and a half years even prior to that, I was uh, sparring with a really good wrestler and submission wrestler. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm great at striking. Grappling, I'm, I'm still like in the waiting pool, you know? I'm like still a toddler when it comes to grappling. I, I have the basics for combatives and self-defense, but when it comes to like on the ground fighting, there's people far better than I, and he's one of them. <laughs> and he got me in a, a, an Americana, like a shoulder lock, right? So the arm goes back this way. And inspiring you just went just a little too hard a little too far and it tore my infraspinata you know part of my rotator cuff right yeah. and it fucking hurt so i didn't go to get any therapy or say just kind of let it heal on its own uh but then for the next two and a half years anytime i tried to throw hook punches be pain i couldn't you know i had the mobility flexibility gone uh if i lifting weights like i was really compromised on the side i get this kind of a thing going and uh, you know, for three and a half years, it was just I just thought I was gonna have to live with this. But so before yeah. my fight, I'm like, you know what? I can't, I can't go into the ring and not be able to throw a freaking left hook, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. So I went to go see a guy, Doctor Satdeep Binning. So he's in Cambridge, Ontario. Shout out to Doctor Binning. Yeah. I went for uh, what guy? I went for two sessions ART, so active release technique. Yeah. Told him what happened to my shoulder. He's feeling around in there and. Uh, that's where I found out, you know, oh yeah, it's infraspinata. And um, within two sessions, they're 20 minutes a piece. I think I paid him 40 bucks each session. So for $80 and 40 minutes of my time, fixed my problems, gone. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah. 
it's it's amazing it's amazing i mean i've you know i'm 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 no expert but you know friends and family have said you know x and y is kind of hurting them and i've said you know have you tried this or have you done this or you know i've given them a little massage and they're like wow like you know that's weird it feels a little bit looser than it was before yeah. but yeah it's 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 amazing man it's amazing what what these kind of what these things at, at our hands you know you know things that are not um they're not difficult to um assess oh sorry they're not difficult to access you know it's not like you know some sort of multi-million pound drug that you need to have in order to to recoup certain things you can do it in your home you know with an yeah. crossbow or a, or a theracane or you know whatever it is that you know that, that you know or a kid's a kid's toy even like my my, my daughter's got these little <laughs> these little wooden balls that she plays in like she throws these around and stuff like you can use this to kind of yeah, get something <laughs> painful but you know it, it works it works <laughs> now, when i was back with you if you want to go out and get snacks at the local the convenience store I yeah. get like Coca-Cola and chocolate and chips and stuff. Yeah. And you yeah. get like blueberries, milk and like some like, lunch meat. And you'd come and like roll up this, the lunch, you know. Uh, what, so uh, in talking about longevity and mm. health and fitness and taking care of yourself, your diet's a huge component of it. So what's, what, what's kind of your diet protocol? Oh, it's a weird, so I'm not, I guess I'm not strict with it, but I guess, you know, for certain some people from the outside looking in they would consider it strict but um i'd say 80% and 80 to 90% of the time i'm i'm really really good with my diet i try to avoid sugars um you know in as many forms as it comes nowadays um i try to avoid wheat um i try to avoid dairy um i drink lots of glass bottled water i'm also um, i'm pretty much uh evangelical about you know plastic. about glass bottled water because you know plastic and and depending on where you are you know some some people have better quality tap water um so you know i won't diss tap water but you know there are certain areas that don't have good tap water so you know in replacement of that you know having good glass bottled water um and i mean i used to be probably around maybe just before I, I met you um i was uh, a vegan so i was so this is probably going back about 15 years ago before before you know before you, you before it's become fashionable and you hear it everywhere um i was um a vegan and i would have one cooked meal a day and the rest would be raw um i lost a hell of a lot of weight um but i gained a lot more energy um you know um but after a while i think it, it got quite difficult to maintain from a physical point of view from an energetic from from an energy point of view and also from a social point of view mm. you know um so it's that balance of 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 um being able to be so so one of the reasons why i came back to kind of eating meat again was for, for those those three reasons um nowadays there are so many vegan options um but in saying that those vegan options aren't necessarily healthy mm -hmm. um some vegetarian options aren't necessarily healthy they're more processed you know they're more processed yeah so that's another thing i try and you know cut down as much processed food as i can um but yeah i go through moments i, I you know 
um, where I kind of overdo it with the with the with the sugars, uh, chocolates in particular. Um, although I'm switching more to kind of like dark chocolates. Um, but yeah, I I would say I've I've got a handle on the the diet, got a handle on the foods. I've had a handle on the kind of the physical elements of, of kind of exercise and being healthy. Um, it's now I'm getting to the age where it's now, it's, it's all about the mental, it's all about kind of the, the mental health and, and looking after that first. Um, but yeah, like, you know, like what's, I mean, what's your diet? Like I know that, that Kat is, she's into the, into the fitness side of things. So does she influence your, your diet? Like how, how do you guys eat? Yeah, uh, so I have uh, autoimmune disorder. I have uh, Crohn's disease. <laughs> okay. yeah. So um, I've been living with the symptoms of it for 20 years. Um, yeah. I discovered what it was uh, like maybe four or five years back. Um, okay. So a couple of years ago, I tried a radical shift in my diet uh, yeah. to a carnivore. I was strict carnivore. So I was yeah. eating literally all I was eating was steak either ribeye or strip loin, uh, yeah. salt, usually like pink salt. I'd have butter. I'd have cheese, you know, other meats like your chicken, salmon. I have eggs, stuff like that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. whatever the case is, it, I don't really buy oysters, but you can have oysters and you should be getting, you know, all your different nutrients from various sources, but it was like 90% red meat. Okay. Uh, the symptoms that are associated with my autoimmune disorder, uh, reduced by 70%. I'd say they didn't go away. It didn't cure anything, but it made the quality of life 70% better. And I was like, okay, there's something to this. Now, when a lot of people switch, like you said, when you switch to a vegan diet, you have fatless energy, like initially, right? And then over time it became harder to maintain. It's, uh, you know, I won't make excuses. I'm sure I, you know, I'd love to say and give myself a pat on the back and say I'm this extremely disciplined person when it comes to diet. When you're mm-hmm. eating nothing but salted steak forever, you know, once, you know, I want, there'd be this time to be in the middle of the night and I just like a fucking raccoon thief in the night, I'd go into, I break into the cupboard and I just like eat spoonfuls of peanut butter <laughs> or, uh, you know, when I was out at a gas station, I just like get a bag of Maltesers and like, you know, yeah, like, yeah. some guy that's trying to like, you know, I felt I, when I was a carnivore, I would sneak into the fridge and eat handfuls of blueberries and I'd mm. feel guilty. Because I was eating handfuls of blueberries. You know? okay. The thing is, fiber and meat don't get along very well. Fiber kills me, right? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I'm working with, I have a, a, someone who's helping me with my nutrition now. And we're taking it back to like your beef, organs, things like this is kind of like the staple. I have eggs, stuff like that. Yeah. But now I'm starting to slowly introduce things like uh, spinach, but not in its raw form. So I'll make like a bone broth with beef marrow bones. I'll put spinach in there, some organs, whatever the case is, and then I'll slow cook it, and then I'll take the broth, and that'll be like my, uh, it'll be like an anti, it'll be no fiber, but it'll be all the nutrients out of everything that's kind of sapped into that, right? Uh, Eggs, you know, I try to get my calcium through eggshell calcium now uh, by crushing them up and using the eggshell powder, put it in my coffee or whatever the case is. Um, And so I'm just... And I'm not too disciplined. Like if I go out, I'll get a bag of like salt and vinegar chips. I don't kill myself. Um, mm. But that can, so you have to kind of know your own sensitivity because that can throw somebody off for an hour. It can throw somebody off for a month. It depends, <laughs> depends on how their system reacts to this stuff. Um, yeah. So I'm, I kind of get my own way when it comes to figuring out 
what is my problem because I should reduce back to just, just like that baseline of beef and salts or whatever, and then slowly add things and see if there's an adverse reaction. But, right. um, but I don't. <laughs> have you looked into, I know, again, um, like I, I, I resist um, things that everybody's talking about. Um, and at the moment, a lot of people are talking about intermittent fasting and time-restricted eating mm. and all of this stuff. Um, and I get I get annoyed when I'm hearing too much of it because I feel, you know, I I I, I tend to want to go the other way. Mm-hmm. But in reading about some of this stuff, like similar to similar to the whole my my idea of trigger pointing is it it allows your body to reset. So so your your you know some scientists have linked the way. Um, the gut works in in order to um and then how it functions and how it can cause autoimmune issues um if it's not cleansed Mm. Um, and the time restricted eating and the intermittent fasting and and fasting in general apparently can cleanse the gut in such a way that you know it, it may again this is not a scientific you know kind of uh this is there's no science science backing this up but the idea of the food that you're eating is not being processed properly by your gut. And before you change your diet or before you make um, quite big adjustments in your diet, you should deal with the cleansing of the gut first. So you should clean out the gut first and then kind of reintroduce various things. Um, so I, I've, I've got into that, um, into the time restricted eating, which essentially is, it looks like um, you have like 14 to 16 hours, in my case, 14 to 16 hours where you're not eating. That includes the period of time that you're eating. Um, and then, you know, you have a, you know, you have a 10 or, or eight hour window or eight to 10 hour window where, where you're eating. Mm-hmm. Um, and of recent, I've kind of considered doing um, a three day fast, um, just having water, but, I know I'm going to, I, that would just be too, too much for me. So I'm just thinking, you know, sticking to that, you know, 16-8 or 14-10 protocol is, is good um, for me. Um, but I, I, I mean, you know, it, it sounds, it sounds, it, it's sensible. You know, the idea of, it sounds sensible, the idea of giving your gut a rest and giving your gut the opportunity to cleanse. Um, and in, in like one of the books that I've, uh, I'm reading, it's called the, oh God, I think it's called the longevity paradox. Um, but basically the, the guy talks about autoimmune diseases and I think he mentions lectin, mm. um, you know, the, the problem with, you know, things like, um, beans and, grains and all of these things you know yeah. some of these things can have an effect on on autoimmunity so yeah. um yeah like i i think you know kind of you know experimenting with your food is is important to see what what triggers um but also um you know giving your your gut some time to, to rest and cleanse and, and not feeling like you have to eat all the time you know? and intermittent fasting uh, in in if in that carnivore diet, they, well, so the first time I heard about intermittent fasting was in a book called Engineering the Alpha. And they were talking about that sixteen to eight kind of window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But with a, with 
when I started on the carnivore diet, one of the main proponents of that, uh, Sean Baker, he talks about intermittent feasting. So the idea is you eat your, when you're hungry and you eat till you're full. And then that's it. You're drinking the water and, you know, black coffee is allowed like the rest of the time. And yeah. actually, for anyone out there, I learned this recently that caffeine, coffee actually, um, I won't say caffeine, I'll say coffee, uh, helps inhibit your iron uptake, which yeah. when you're a middle-aged man talking about longevity, you can't dissipate the metal in your body, that the iron or whatever you've taken in. Like a woman has her period, she gets rid of iron, flushes it out. You can get a metal toxicity, a buildup of iron in your system. So that's why it's recommended for men to donate blood regularly because you take yeah if you're on a carnivore diet you're eating a lot of red meat drink a lot of coffee to help inhibit that iron uptake to keep yourself uh, healthier longer so just as a tip for anyone out there i've, I've heard linked to that 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 coffee and the iron inhibition is the is the fact that i've heard if you take vitamins or you take any kind of um supplements that having coffee is 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 um it's not a great idea to have it so close to when you're having your vitamin pills or, you know, having a supplement or whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how far that's, that's true. Right. Um, I tend to, like if I'm having coffee, I tend to make sure that there's a gap between me eating something or me, you know, taking a vitamin pill if I do. Um, yeah, I just tend to make sure there's like a, a bit a half an hour, an hour gap, but you know, um, yeah, we don't, we don't know exactly what's what, but, you know, we can, we can be our own guinea pigs, which is what I, I tend to do. Yeah. Yeah. It can get impatient sometimes and frustrating, you know, cause you're like, it takes a long time, but I mean, you only have one life. So, <laughs> you yeah. know, you might not get an instant fix, but yeah, experiment, whether it be with your trigger point, uh, chiropractic, massage therapy, intermittent fasting, different modalities of working out, you know, like you said, you're not trying to put on size. You want more mobility, flexibility and strength. And so the type of cha- uh, training you did is different. You know, yeah. and, um, when it comes to diet, yeah. So you're experimenting with what works for you. Yeah, I think I think that's one of my. That's a positive and a negative when it comes to me. Like I'm always experimenting, always looking for the the, the new the newest thing to kind of help me with health. But I think, I think it's a good thing. Like if you, for example, if you're. To to, to kind of think about how we lived centuries ago, you know one part of the year we're eating lots of meat next part of the year we're eating lots of veg next part of the year we're eating lots of fruit and it's kind of like the natural process of you the know, whole seasonal thing yeah you're not doing the same thing all the time you know you're doing different things and nature centuries ago forced you to do that whereas now when we've got you know all of the conveniences we can just live one track and yeah. not experiment with things um we can always you know, have feast and there's never famine. We can always have meat. Uh, we can always have veg. We can always have, we can have, you know, in the societies that we live in, we can always have. Um, so it means that we, we very rarely um, do things differently. And I think it's important, you know, sometimes to, to, to experiment, you know, to spend three months or six months, you know, doing cold showers or doing cold baths or, you know, eating more meat or eating less meat or you know i think it's if you if you're if that's something that interests you if longevity in particular is something that interests you then you know you have to tap into these you have to look at the science look at what's written play with it try it out um you know it's it's easy to say 
obviously you're sensible about things it's easy to say um you know this academic paper was written and it said this is wrong right um but until you try it you know you give it a little go you know um obviously be sensible there's there's some there's a lot of stupid stuff on the internet um but yeah within reason you know you can kind of experiment with things um and i'm i'm big on the whole um having practical um uh kind of practical techniques practical things that you do in your day-to-day that can help you so you know i mentioned the cold showers like apparently you know cold showers are really good for longevity it does x y and z it helps with you know adipose brown tissue and all of this stuff it's meant to be you know really good for longevity so you know try try a cold shower every now and again you know Um, harder easier said than done (laughs) you know what i've i've been doing since the beginning of lockdown I've, i've been doing it every morning um, and you, you know, you feel at the time it's like torture, but afterwards you kind of feel, Oh, like it's, you know, it's now, like, do you it's like, like, do you shop- like wash yourself in the hot water and then finish off cold for a few minutes? No, or no, no, no. Cold? For me, it's like, but before I used to do that. So, so a couple of years ago, I tried the cold thing and I was like, I'll start with hot and then I'll turn it down and just, you know, kind of get, now I'm just like cold straight away. Let's go for it. Let's do it. Um, and yeah, so far so good. Like you know, it's it's a small, it's a small inconvenience um, that you know I can I can bear for a little while, and, and hopefully it will will give me some 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 more more time on the clock. Uh, hopefully, you know. So, uh, but yeah, it's a small inconvenience, man. Small I was in the pool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, the one negative. <laughs> it's not like anyone's watching you while you're in there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. So what's what's um so like cat cat is she doing the 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 fitness thing? Is she doing the the personal training thing? What's her? Yeah, she started um, um she started competing to do uh she competed in uh, figure I think was her category okay, of you know, okay, like okay. bodybuilding kind of yeah. yeah. Uh, and then she she got injured and then she kind of went through her own physio her own therapy and through that she got into corrective exercise. Then she got certified as a corrective exercise specialist. Mm-hmm. And uh, now she's kind of she's still working through school to to some more um, more courses and certifications to kind of get in that direction. So she's interested in corrective exercise, in uh, kind of um, not physiotherapy, but working out in strength training to kind of toward that end. Mm-hmm. And so she's doing uh, she's doing that a lot more now. Um, while I'm working, um, she's full time here with the three kids. We're homeschooling Canaan, so she plays homeschool teacher to Canaan, and we have the two little ones as well. So, and she also manages the home, does the grocery shopping, and all this stuff. So she kind of she kind of mans the fort here while I go out and kind of um, you know work work a job. Okay. Uh, so she, you know, when the kids are down for a nap, or even if they're not, she'll have them here in the garage. She'll do her her working out herself. Yeah. But, um, so long story short, in terms of like her operating a business right now, uh, it's kind of taking a back seat to running the family. Um, okay. But she still does her own stuff. She's still doing her studying and her reading, and you know, um, yeah. So she's we're, we're we're plugging ahead slowly, and you know, once uh, once the kids get a little bit older and there's a little bit more time that frees up, she you know she'll have more time to uh, to to pursue it as a as like a business option, but. Um, yeah, so she's still doing her training, but it's more into the corrective exercise and functional strength training rather than more the aesthetic where she used to be. Sure, sure. Yeah, so, so my, my partner, similar background, she, she's a personal trainer. Um, 
she has she made the shift a few years ago into pre and postnatal. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. So she kind of, you know, I, I was just just asking kind of like, you know, what's what's kind of cat's cat's kind of take on on having you know having three kids and you know her fitness kind of regime because it's a yeah it's a very fitness uh, uh, fitness can be a very particularly if you're on social media it can be a very unforgiving and unhelpful place um you know when you're dealing with you know pre and postnatal yeah um, so kind of frankie's taking it upon herself to to you know almost almost be like a to be a representative of that you know to kind of you know give a voice to 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 give a voice a platform to to kind of give guidance to 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 kind of women that are in that um in that position um but yeah it's uh you know from from you know from you know my point of my point of view or our point of view it's just it's it's wild what women go through in terms yeah. of giving birth yeah and the pressure heaped on them yeah after giving birth yeah and yeah uh, it's uh yeah it is it can be the internet uh instagram in particular can be a pretty unhelpful place and when it comes yeah. to that um you know even even having to talk about like uh diastasis yeah, 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 yeah. And pelvic floor therapy, like what yes. happens to pelvic floor yes. and bring that yes. back yes. up, and like yes. that stuff. Uh, you know, I didn't hear about until she was talking about it, going through yeah, it. Same, same here. Same here. Frankie's got like a whole book on it, and that's one of the things that she tests all of her clients with, and or, and and it's you know it's it's something that is not is not commonly known. It's not yeah. it's not taught. Like I don't know how it is in Canada, but you know when you leave the hospital here in the UK. There's no, um, there's no guidance or no kind of um, warning to tell you to look out, look out for diastasis recti and all of these other things. Um, so yeah, it's wild, man. It's just you know, be, being you know being a, a new dad, like you know you're dealing with a you're, you're dealing with a brand new little one, but then you're also dealing with you know how your partner may be changing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of you know physically and kind of like what her abilities are now and and how what she did was just insane like it's just like giving birth was just insane and now like she's kind of recouping getting herself you know um, kind of to, to kind of be functional you know um, like you know fully fully functional in, in movement and stuff but yeah, it's just just the, the the human body just blows my mind like every day. Every day I'm picking up something something you know from my little one, you know, kind of saying a few words to oh. you know the things that you know kind of Frankie has to deal with. You know, it's just it's wild, man. It's wild. Leaps and bounds, like the, how the kids have changed. Like I I keep every single photo we take of the kids. I have like little folders in my cloud that are for each of them, right? So all the photos, and uh, you know. Every now and again, I'll go and I'll just scroll through and I'll look back. And in a matter of a year, we've lived in our current house for just over a year and a month now. And I look back to when we moved in and I see the difference in my daughter in particular, like how much she has changed in the year. Like it's like from one year old to two years old and how much she's talking. She's like singing full songs and having full conversations. And it's absolutely crazy. I can't, I can't even. Wow. <laughs> Like you know, seventeen months in, I, I look at her and I'm like, "Really? Like, like I, like I was responsible in some way for you? Like how? Yeah, <laughs> it's wild, man. It's wild. Um, but yeah, it's just it, it. It's one of those things that has helped me a hell of a lot during 
during lockdown mm. um, because it's been you know it's been it's been difficult you know kind of kind of various families things have gone on various financial issues have happened and you know it's having this little one to kind of remind you of you know the the, the gold and the light um, you know that there there is in this world is is, is beautiful. Man. It's beautiful. It's, uh, yeah, being a, out of all the things I do, being a dad is my absolute favorite. And uh, I'm so in love with them. And uh, that's the one thing, you know, uh, one of, it's funny. One of the, we're circling back to not wanting to have kids. One of the yeah. reasons I didn't want to have kids is because when you're in that state, you're thinking like, they're just going to like suck all your resources. They're going to steal your dreams. You're not going to be able to do anything. I'm like, I want to live life and I want to have all the experiences and having a kid. And I can't have the experiences. But then now having them, I realize that's like the fucking ultimate experience. <laughs> you know, yeah, I wouldn't sure. want to rob myself of that. For sure. And, uh, you know, again, from a, you know, you can look at it from a selfish point of view. Like, you know, in my mind, it's like, I want to be, I, I, I want to be in a position where I'm healthy enough to be of value to her when she grows or as she grows, when she gets to a certain age, I don't want to be, you know, at a critical age when she's still growing. I don't want to be in a position where my health is not so good that I can't give advice or support. Um, so in, in a way, it's, it's almost selfish. Like she's helping me look after myself. Yeah. She, you know, she's making me realize that I, can, I, I need to be useful for her. And in order to be useful to her, I have to be healthy. I have to, you know, I have to eat right. I have to exercise. I have to, you know, be more flexible. Like, you know, these things are indirect ways of being able to, um, you know, in decades to come, being in a position where I, you know, I'm, I'm of sound mind and of sound body to, to help, you know, whether it's, I don't know, like her moving home and I can help her move a couple of boxes, you know, that kind of thing. You know, it's, it's, I know she's only one years old now and I'm thinking like 20 years down the line. These things are important, you know, these little experiences, you know, when it comes to, you know, helping her carve her way through life, you know, you being in a position where you are health, healthy enough to, 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 you know, to, to support her is, um, it's just so important, man. It's, uh, it's, it's so important. Like my, I don't know if you've heard of this book called the, uh, of Ikigai. No. So it's, um, I'm, I've, I've flicked through the book. So, you know, uh, excuse me if any of your, if any of your listeners have, have read the book in more detail, but it's, it's part and parcel of Ikigai is having, like having your purpose and like having like a one word purpose. And for me, my one word purpose or my, my ikigai is, is useful mm. and it's, it's being of use and being useful to, to my daughter and in so doing I'll be useful to the rest of my family, I'll be useful to my friends, I'll be useful to society, I'll be useful to myself. So yeah, that's my ikigai um, and that's kind of like my, my focus when it comes to, to making decisions about anything nowadays is like how is this going to benefit my physical health or my mental health and how is that going to impact this little little person that I've brought into the world, you know? On the note, Ify, uh, I can hear my little uh, ones running around now. The house is starting okay. to wake up and get going, yeah. so I'm going to call an end of this. But, uh, what, what's the time there? What's the time there now? We are, what time are we at? It is now 9.40 in the morning.
Okay. Okay. All right, man. Yeah. Yes. Sir, yeah. So people want to get a hold of you or they want to check you out, see what you're doing, check out physical. How do they do that? Yeah. So this is one of the things. Like I'm not much on social media at the moment. I'm kind of in this uh, in this 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 hermit phase of of, of kind of putting putting my creative effort into this this podcast. So um you know, there is the Instagram, there is the Facebook and, and physical, um, on Instagram, it's physical. So it's F I Z Z Y C A L. Um, on Twitter, it's, uh, physical tweets. Um, on Facebook, it's physical official. Um, again, F I Z Z Y C A L. Um, there's a YouTube channel. There's some, you know, various mini documentaries out there that people can, can look at and get inspired watching these 60 plus year old athletes. Um, uh, yeah, in terms of getting in touch with me, I have my own Instagram, um, which is ify uploaded, I F Y, and then uploaded. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm rubbish with social media at the moment, just because I'm in this this headspace where I'm trying to trying to be very creative and and you know um, trying to have like a almost like a digital detox, you know. Um, when you do yeah, uh, when you do put out the podcast, where what platform where will that be accessible? Uh, so it's on spot. It's it will be on Spotify. Uh, it will be on iTunes. Um, I'm thinking of you know potentially doing. I think similar to you putting, you know, putting the full thing on YouTube, you, you do that, right? Yeah. 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 So, um, and actually as a note, are you, is it going to be visual on yours? Yes. Okay. Cause you know, it comes up with my, my partner's name, Frankie Hola. Every time. Well, the, uh, as far as I know, when I publish them, the names don't, uh, don't oh, okay, okay. All right. um, yeah. So I, you know, I'll probably put the, 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 the long form version of it on YouTube potentially may put the long form of it on, on Instagram because, you know, people, yeah, at the moment I'm, I'm kind of like in, in a, in a very, very young stage in, in podcast terms. So the first few episodes, I might as well just throw them out there on every single platform and then at a later stage, just, you know, condense it and Spotify, iTunes. Oh yeah. See, you see the results, right. And you look at the analytics and then decide what you're going to do from there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, and I, I know some people would prefer not to have so many, apps on their their phone so you know if they can get it on youtube or get it on instagram as opposed to getting it on spotify and itunes then you know at least the message gets out there you know all right brother it was uh it was a true pleasure to talk to you and catch up with you after so yeah, many it's years been awesome man it's been awesome it's been uh been far too long i know you know before all of this i was promising you know that i you know we would come to canada and and, and check you guys but we've been rubbish with going to see anybody even people that live around the corner from us so um yeah like hopefully when all of this nonsense uh, ends you know we'll make some time to to kind of um head over to canada because yeah we've got some 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 other friends and family over there and it'd be awesome to to catch up with you man well you always have a place here for you from a couple of randy bachelors near a decade ago to a couple of full-time fathers you know it's uh it's been a journey and i'm, I'm glad to you know, at least through whatever limited uh, internet contact, at least <laughs> to be able to follow along and, and see yeah. how you're doing, you know? Yeah, we're, we're looking good for it as well, man. We're doing all right. <laughs> you uh, growing this. Are you, uh, you keep yours that closely cropped? This, I, I have not been able to grow a beard since I was this, this teenage, this teenage, these teenage sprouts are all I can do, man. I, I can't, I, I'm jealous of, of what you can do with your face. I, I well, it, well, I'll flip it back to you because. This up here, this is, you know, by design, but because of what's going on, 
And, uh, you know, you, last time I saw you in person, you were like cropped right down and, but you can grow yeah, in yeah, hair. Yeah. I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. I shaved, I shaved my head. And then, you know, when I saw all of my mates losing their hair and, and going gray, I thought, you know, let me just rub it in their face and, and grow an Afro. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> <laughs> all right, sir. Thanks for the time today. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, been awesome, man. Love to, love to the family. We'll do.